Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Skill Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to scale models. So buckle up for what we believe will be an exciting journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you will download and make us a regular part of your modeling bench sessions. Now here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, and Andrew White. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Model Geeks Podcast. This is Whitey. I'll be in the left seat for today's show. I got D-Ran in the right. I got Frildo feeling right at home in the center seat. Nemo's in the back of the nav station, keeping us all on track. Nav station. Gear up. Flaps maneuver. Let's get the mission complete. You're now today, (laughs) Nemo. Okay. How's everyone doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. I was doing good until I got demoted to... Being in the back, I, di- I didn't have anywhere else to put you. Okay, I get. I guess I, 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 I got a down. Need an observer. I, I, I'm, I'm being. I'm. I'm the observer in the back. Gonna put you in the observer seat. Wait, was I right seat? You right seat, brother. Oh man, feeling privileged. Yep. I can see how the wind. Me. I can see how the front of the plane. Your hand on comms. <laughs> Just make sure and give me a bunch of puke bags because if I'm in the back, <laughs> I'm probably throwing up. All right. Um, so here we are, episode four. Thanks to you all for listening in. Topic of this show is going to be uh, Back to the Future, jumping back into the hobby. And so later on, we'll get back into we'll get into that. Right now, real quick, one thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, back in episode one, I made mention of IPMS Canada and their publication, the uh, RT, the Random Thoughts. And I couldn't remember the name of the editor at the time. Um, and he's a guy I corresponded with quite a bit when I was writing an article for them. Uh, his name is Steve Suve. So I just wanted to get that name right. I, I felt bad about that, and it's been bugging me. So there you go, Steve. And all our Canadian listeners, I even, hell, I joined IPMS Canada just because they, I like that magazine. So I'm, I'm looking forward to future episodes of that. So, I, have okay, family uh, that, I have family that live in Canada. Does that... Does that, that help? Counts. I think that accounts. They live in. Doesn't make you a member. I'm not a member. Well, I, I have, maybe I have to join. You know, it's I. Uh, but they live in Calgary, a little, little close to Calgary, a little town called Okotoks, and they are like the nicest people in the world I have ever known. They are just so friendly, and that's. Um, I think that's most Canada Canadians are just yeah. It's just good, good group of people. You know, I can't remember. It was one of the other podcasts? Uh, it was either was talking just uh, about that uh, magazine from IPMS Canada in one of their last episodes. Damn, I can't remember what it was. But I was thinking about joining just, you know, A, it's North America, but two, it's uh, supposed to be a really good publication. It is. Uh, so yeah. I have to look at that. Um, Hit the website up after uh, uh, the show. Yeah, I, I, they just they did a free decal sheet with their last publication, but I think I missed out on that. Anyway, so geeks, what was uh, what are we all in work on? We'll start with uh, with you, D. Ran. Oh, you're in the right state. Working on a lot of stuff, man. Can you say hornet, 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 hornet? <laughs> no, I'm squirrel. squirrel, squirrel. Yeah, well, that there was a squirrel there. Uh, no, I'm just still pressing on with the uh, the hornet. As y'all know, I had some some decal issues on the hockey sticks there for the verticals. The original set cracked, and uh, Frildo was nice enough to offer up another set of those same uh, decals and i tried those and uh, they cracked as well so uh, 
I went back, yeah. stripped all the decals off. And did what I, yeah. They did what I should have done to begin with. And that was just mask them off and paint them. So, Good call. but, but that led to having to mix custom paint, right? Because that light gray is, that's not a standard color. So I went through and I, I did, I got it. I mean, I don't Being think I in the squadron, got, do you recall what they used? Oh, no, man, that was 1990. Didn't bother asking at the time. Yeah, yeah, 1990. I was not no third it. class. I wasn't worried. I was yeah. more worried about shit. I got to have to go out there and wash these things more or less than <laughs> paint on what color the paint yeah. was. But, um, <laughs> I thought your, I thought the, the color matched really well, though. It, it, Whatever it, you used, it it matched well. I mean, it looked it it looked much better painted on than it does, you know, decal. And that's, if I can paint it, I'm painting it. I don't care yeah. how small it is. I'm painting it because it's just like anytime I'm doing walkway lines or anything like that, I just paint them. It's it's a pain, but I don't have to worry about silvering. Yep. It adheres to all the different curves and panel lines and stuff. Is it painful? Yep. Does it look better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I did the walkways, the non-skid and everything. I masked that off and still using the yep. decals. And I just figured, you know, if, if I could do non-skid, <laughs> why not do the tails? And it did. I mean, I had. It was a little bit tough trying to get the black stripe even, but uh, I got it. So I'll post some pictures up on the uh, the page of that. But in the meantime, I, I'm working on ordnance, and that's one of the things that I hate doing the most, man, is is ordnance. I don't know why, but it's the Stencils tedious. and stripes. Oh, yeah. man. So I needed a break. I was starting to get burned out, and I found myself sitting here at the bench just kind of staring off into la la land, right between decals for these these harm missiles. So uh, I was looking at the uh, the stash over here and and saw my Edward boxing of the uh, Vietnam scooters. Squirrel. Yep, and there's the squirrel. And I've always wanted to to do that kit, so I broke out, started looking at it. Next thing I know, the bag's open, and I'm like, oh look, there's the photo etch cockpit. Let's throw that together. That won't take very long. <laughs> well, breaking bags. Yeah, breaking bags. So start. I did that Friday. And for the listeners out there, we're recording today on Valentine's Day Sunday. Three days later, hell, I'll be painting this thing. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, I'll be doing some, you know, appreciating and stuff. So it, it, it's been a great kit. Of course, it's a Hasegawa box of the uh, A4M that Frildo's doing. And it's a great kit, man. It just falls together. So yeah. I'm. Those are great kits for, like I say, a monotony breaker or uh, yeah. yep, something to recage the compass with. Exactly. Definitely. So that's that's where I'm at. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's you know out of the box. We had that discussion earlier, right? But it's an Edward box. So it's got all the goodies. There's a few quirks with it as well, too. There like, are. I think if you look at the wing, the landing gear post, I forgot which one off the top of my head is too long. So if you look at them, they're different heights. So. You got to go in. You've got to shim the one that is not to gotcha. bring it up to the same height. Because if you put it down, I, I didn't know this. And I've built four Skyhawks. And it wasn't until Gabe had mentioned something about it that I went back. And Gabe's real good. So make sure you hit yeah. him up. Yeah. He, he has all Gabe the gouge on all of, uh, Hasegawa yeah. A4 tweaks. Gabe Gabe has yep. the gouge on that. Copy. So it's it's been fun. And uh, Frodo, I appreciate your help. You know, I... I, I I reached out to Frildo on a couple different things for Will Well, well I just yeah. happened to have the walk around out looking yeah. at when I was going through that. I'll talk about it later, you know, for mine, the 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 nose gear yep. steering on that thing and how the instructions are wrong. Yeah. And you know, I was just looking at that when you asked that question. 
I was like, oh yeah, here. And there's like a gazillion pictures of them like that. So yeah. So, but right, uh, good. that's what's on my bench, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'll post some pictures of uh, both kits here on the uh, Facebook page uh, for the listeners to take a look at. So if y'all have any questions, just drop me a a note there. Yeah. All right, Scott. What do you got going on over there? Ooh, I got so many squirrels running around, but I tried to to narrow it down and just start focusing. I was like, man, I, it's really hard to focus when you're when you got five squirrels. So I I put them all back in their cage and I just pulled one out, <laughs> and that's the SU twenty seven. So the Kitty Hawk kit, and this is my first you know Kitty Hawk kit that I've uh, that I've worked on. The big thing is like, I've heard that they're over-engineered and sometimes they can be difficult to put together, but there's no kit that's quote unbuildable. And, um, so I really kind of took a look at it, new, fresh kind of start, fresh eyes. Hadn't really looked at it in a while. Cockpit had been painted. So I started putting all the different components together and some fit great and some don't fit so great. Uh, I think the most difficult part I'm part of I'm struggling with is just the multiple everybody knows it's the multiple pieces to the fuselage and multiple pieces to to different sections rather than just having one piece we've got to have like four or five pieces to make up the one piece and all it's not that you can't build it it's that it creates more work for the builder and it's the mojo killer kind of work that finagling with these inserts you know lining up the pieces so that you don't have these huge huge gaps and huge steps that you have to mask off, you know, super fine detail uh, panel lines and riveting just because to go back and get that stuff nice and smooth and to go back and make sure and get the panel lines lined up so that they don't look like you used a nail with a chis- a hammer to try to carve out your panel lines. It, it's just difficult to do. And I don't know anybody that likes doing that. Some folks may like that, but for me, not fun. Not you, fun. You know, that I, I ran into the same thing with my RF5. And it's a shame. Yep. It's it's the top of the uh the intakes and the fact that there's 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 great detail on the outside of the kit. It really is. Yep. It's it's beautiful. Yep. yep. But then they did stuff like no intake trunks, which just drove me crazy. And then there's some areas on top of the intakes where I had to do the same thing. You sand it down till you blow out all the rivet detail, which was beautiful. Now it's gone. And you know, it's really a shame because I have a scratch built camera and all sorts of stuff in this kit, but yeah. it just killed the mojo. And here it sits over on a shelf staring at me. You know, it's, it's really. Yeah. That's, that's the, it's, it's, uh, you know, and I mean, kudos to Kitty Hawk for, I, you know, this kit is most of, most of the pieces fit really well like i'm shocked at like say the nose cone the nose cone will go on perfectly and you would think that you're building a tamiya kit because there is zero gap it's absolutely perfect but then the other section that it attaches to that then attaches to the nose of the fuselage so the nose section's really like two or three pieces vice one um it, yeah it's just frustrating so i'm here sanding and trying to figure out how i'm how i'm not going to lose the the panel lines, how I'm going to rescribe it so that it looks good. And, you know, I finally just reached a point where I'm like, I'm kind of done with it because it's sucking the life out of the fun of the build. And, um, yeah, I just kind of want to move on. So there, and there's these big inserts for inspection panels that are in the back end of the, 
the top part of the fuselage and the wings are separate pieces. So, you know, for example, the, the hobby boss kit to have three pieces, um, it's the nose cone and then the top and bottom fuselage, which the wing and everything's all together. You don't have to worry about attaching the wings. Whereas on the kitty Hawk kit you do. And so you have three pieces that fit almost perfectly on the, um, hobby boss kit. And then the kitty Hawk thing has 12 pieces. And it's just getting everything lined up and taking that additional time is is a mojo killer. And you just have to kind of push through it. So I'm right there right now. I got the intakes on, got the top two fuselage pieces on, got the nose on, working on getting the tail section, the vertical uh, tails on. Those fit okay. They're still going to need, you know, some uh, filling and some resanding, you know, they're rescribing, but then the wings, I got to try to get the wings on so that they're good to go. But long story short, I'm getting closer to being able to sling some paint on it, but it's still going to be probably another week or so before I can start painting because of just all the cleanup you got to do still sniffing glue, but I'm, but I'm, so I'm, I'm doing a lot more glue sniffing <laughs> than I am slinging paint. <laughs> yeah. So, Not yeah. a good, uh, not a fun kit for you, who's more of a painter, yeah. less a builder, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and the guy, and I know the guys. I know the guys over at Kitty Hawk. The great group of guys. Um, it's just, I really wish these inserts and all these multiple panels that you can open. Nobody, nobody really does that stuff. I mean, you have yeah. the one or two people. We're kind of catering to maybe the one or two out of a hundred that really want to open everything up when. If you could just make a nice mold where you've got a top fuselage and a bottom fuselage, then yeah, it just makes life a lot, a lot easier. But that's what I got, got going on the SU-27. It's come along. It's going to look cool, man. I'm, it's, I'm actually doing an SU-27 SM and I've got this really cool kind of white, um, very light kind of uh, paint scheme that'll be weathered all beat up. So, um, and I got some, uh, I think they're the Begemot. Um, decals. I'm probably saying that wrong, but they're those uh, either from yeah, Ukraine or from nice. Russia. So I'm going to use those. So yeah, move, moving along. It's just you know it's sucking a little bit of the mojo out. That's sometimes that's just uh, how it goes. That's all I got. All right, cool. Frildo, what are you working on? Or need we ask? Uh, well, everybody knows that. Yes, I am still working on the tracker, but now you. it is at the yeah. I'm trying to get it done, and so I'm at the point now where it's all the fiddly stuff so just getting that stuff done setting it aside and then working on the a4m and like i alluded to a little bit earlier i was going through and it was friday and i'm going through and so i'm putting the nose wheel steering parts onto the nose strut onto the hasagawa nose strut and i was looking at it and i'm like man something just doesn't seem right and i'm looking at the instructions and i'm like yeah that's what it says and so all right so i put it on and everything and then i take my daughter to the emergency room and uh, I'm sitting in the emergency room. And I'm like, man, something's not right with that. And so it bugged me the entire four and a half hours we were there. Yeah, and never so mind about the daughter, you need to worry about that A4. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was a relatively <laughs> minor thing that she was there for. I and so you. she's okay, though. And uh, good to hear. So I came back and was looking at it and looked in the walk around that I have. And sure enough, the A4M has the beefier looking nose wheel steering hydraulic pump on the nose strut. And I was like, gosh, darn it. And so really all I did was the attachment point 
it's pretty weak on it anyway. So when I got home, I just went there, I looked at it, I just popped the incorrect one off and put the right one on. And uh, Gabe had a little tweak he put out about, he punched out a disc to put on top of the nose wheel steering and it allows you to connect the push rod, the actuator to it. It makes it look more correct than what the Hasegawa kit has it. Because the kit, yeah, it, it doesn't them, touch the kit. Yeah, so. I was going to say, none of them seem to, to reach all the way to the shimmy dampener there. That's kind of, but that, that's, if I only had one complaint about the Hasegawa A4s, it'd be that nose, the nose uh, strut. I don't, I, I don't like the fact that the, the wheel is all molded together. It's good and bad. I mean, sometimes you get those wheel assemblies where the, the uh, you know, the strut comes together to trap the wheel. I'm trying to think of one. I built something recently where I had issues with that. Oh, that F-19 kit that I built. Um, you know, because then you have to come back and clean up that seam and everything like that. The Hasegawa nose strut has the nose wheel molded onto the strut, too. So Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's yeah. it's kind of a good and a bad thing. Anyway, I think the good news, the, the, the good thing about it is that you've got it all one piece, so it's strength. You know, that, that, that spot is a little fiddly anyway, you know, especially when you're starting to get smaller scales. Just it's, it's just, you know, with the weight on it and whatnot, it's a little fiddly. Yeah. Okay, and finally, what am I in work on? Um, still moving along on Desert Storm builds uh, because that's what I've painted myself into the corner of. Um, but I'm in work on the S3 still. I'm in the painting stage. It's coming along nice, I think. I don't know. I'm using um, some aqueous, both the white and the uh, gloss gold gray. Uh, so it's going down real smooth. Looking good. I'm happy with it. But I am AWP awaiting parts on my data decals. See, I had these Desert Storm decals, but then, you know, my kit was a S3 I bought at a show, obviously, and uh, the decals are MIA. So the Desert Storm decal sheet covers the squadron-specific markings, but not the data, and et cetera. So I didn't realize that until the other night when I was looking through inventory. And, and so I uh, went ahead and um, put the word out on a couple of the forums because Aeromaster did a really nice sheet of S3 colored data. And I have a guy who's going to sell me a, a sheet of them to get me caught up. Well, you so know, I've got, that, I've got that one old sheet, and I'm glad you didn't take them because they, man, those things smell like an old well, fart, man. They, that really, that's an old set know, of decals, man. They stink. Looking through a lot of the S3 decal sheets that are out there, a lot of them rely on the kit data to fill out your build. And a lot of the decal sheets that are in the kits are crappy like that. They're old or they're uh, too thick or they're not going to be the same quality as the aftermarket stuff you're working. So there's definitely a need out there for some S3 data if any of you decal manufacturers <coughs> verbal happen to be listening. Hey, Whitey, now what about – you put – so you use the Vacuform Canopy, which you it seems like that you were able to get it to fit almost perfectly – and then how was the uh, the wheel wells and the Bombay underneath? Like, how, I don't understand. How did you get that stuff? Does it fit that well or it's your skills? Because, man, I no. it looks like it came like that. The um, I haven't even really gotten to the doors underneath, to be honest with you. that There's a section, if anyone's ever built that S3 kit, you know, that nose wheel well section is kind of a one part that fits into uh, a, a big giant opening down there and, uh, just with careful uh, gluing, you can get it all to fit r pretty nice. But then you have the Erds turret, 
the flare turret. And the doors for that are completely don't fit. Uh, so I'm, I'm either going to work some scratch, you know, plastic in there to, to close it up, or I've thought about extending it and having the doors open. To get back to references, like we spoke of earlier, the way the doors are displayed in the, in the instruction sheet, again, that kit's going back to like the early 80s. The way the doors on the S3 flare turret actually work is they kind of slide open like sort of like a sort of like one of those garage doors and the turret comes on down. And then in the way in the instructions, you have two doors that they display to you open one's open on one side and one's open on the other side. And, you know, so if you for you accuracy Nazis out there, that would be way wrong. Um, but when I saw that, I was like, OK, well, the fit's horrible anyway, so maybe I'll, I'll rig it up to make it open. I'll see. See how it goes. But as far well, as the back canopy, I, it went uh, it went on pretty decently. I mean, cutting out those things um, can be a chore, but it um, it, it went well. Careful yeah, sanding. I thought, I thought it looked. I mean, it looked much better than the than the kit plastic uh, canopy. And I thought the um, you know just the your work underneath with the gear well doors and all that the insert that you had the aftermarket stuff it just looks great. I mean, it looks. Like it, like it was made that way. So I think it's looking really cool, oh, man. Yeah. Seen, so you're yeah. talking like the, the Bombay and that whole chunk of resin. Yeah. The whole yeah, chunk of resin. Yeah. yeah, that Black Dog set fit pretty decently in there. I was cool. pretty happy with it. Took a little cool. bit of filling on the ends, but that's fine. That, that's to be expected, I suppose. So that's what's on everyone's benches. Uh, so moving into news and notes. Uh, new stuff. What'd you buy? Anyone? Any new stuff this week? Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. Lots. <laughs> I'm still waiting on the, the Super Hornet shipped. I just don't know when it's going to be here. Um, so, oh, I don't know. Darren one, and I think huh? we, yeah, the Bang Super Hornet should be, should be arriving soon. I mean, I got, I think it's been um, two weeks now since I, I got the, Darren and I got the, the ship notice about the same time. Yeah. Mine was on the 6th, I think. And I, I'm tracking, but it's just saying Hong Kong. <laughs> so it's somewhere yeah, between here yeah. and there. Yeah. Yeah. I did P the T the other day on the new clear prop XA 2D Sky Shark. I've always liked that airplane. It's the uh, supposed to have been a successor to the Sky Raider back in the day. But the Navy went ahead and canceled it. And it does look really cool. So I picked that up. I think... Uh... Didn't um, Hyperscale have a review, or at least had some pictures of it? I don't think he did a video in like an inbox. Yeah, but just Brett had some Green pictures. Did a, of it. Uh, yeah, looks pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's I have to admit, it's a. When I first looked at it, I didn't realize that it was the, you know, had any kind of. Um, it, it looked. I would just say it looks. I was like, well, it kind of looks like a Sky Raider, you know. And then you read just a little bit about the history about it, and and uh, it's you know it's how it how it's related to Sky Raider just a little bit and. But yeah, I guess the Navy said nope. I guess that was, you know, moved on with something well, too, else. That so. was right in the beginning of the jet age and everything yeah. was all about pointy nose jets now. So, and swept wing jets, because I still had a few straight wing jets out there at the time. Yeah, it's well, a cool looking kit, though. Yeah, I'm interested to see what it looks like. So, we'll see. Hopefully, it'll be here Very this year. Unique, unique release for sure. Mm-hmm. How about you, Darren? Yeah, well, I mean, I got like uh, Scott said the the Super Hornet. It's coming. I I picked up the Picaro at the same time. 
Uh, so, oh yeah, you know those are they ship together. Matter of fact, they uh, they held that. The reason why the Picaro is being shipped now is because they held it till the uh, Super Hornet came and they shipped them both together. But I did that, That's and good. of course, I'm, I'm put myself on report here when I tell you all this. But I uh, picked up another boxing of the Hornet. <laughs> another kind no of box that i did you know hey i'm a, i'm a legacy hornet fan i said it before i'll say it again but uh when there i find go. a, a good deal on it i jump on it you know <laughs> but uh now darren have you have you built the Hoss? you've built the hasagawa hornet before haven't you i started to and i put it away and yeah, yeah i just i don't know it, it's something weird about me <laughs> i it's, love it's the, a tough get well i love the airplane uh i've but I don't build it because I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to build it to the 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 picture I have in my mind. Does that make sense? Because I know the airplane so well. I know exactly what you mean because I've had I've got a f- several of the Academy 48 scale mm-hmm. MH53s. The Echo sitting in my closet it even has my old squadron, like the people that I flew with has their names on it yeah. and the decal sheet, and I have all the res kit items for it and everybody is like dude why have you not built a 53 you flew 53s in the fleet what what's wrong with you i'm like i don't know i think it's because i want to like open up the dog house and open up the eeps yeah. and open up the engines and fold the. T- i just want to do all this stuff to it and i'm like well that seems like a lot of work yeah. so i just keep it in the closet and then i should just build one and just you know just build the kit and not have to put all the fancies because it's a beautiful kit, man. That those fifty three kits are like I was looking online to, for the marine boxing. Holy goodness, man! Those things were going for like I don't know, it was like one hundred and twenty or one hundred thirty dollars for that kit. And yeah, that's they're crazy. up there, man. I mean, I th- I paid like sixty for mine when I got. I bought several of them when they first came out, so I've got plenty. But yeah, I, I need to. I need to build one, and, but there's something about that's that's the aircraft I flew. It's the one I know the best. I want to do it justice. I think I'm just going to leave it in the closet. Yeah, well, that's why I am. You know, I've built a couple over uh, the years that were Vell boxings, the older ones, which I I think were, they were great little kits. They're not a lot of detail in them, but I think they built into really good kits back in the day. Um, you know, Whitey and I we did a. Uh, we had this conversation the other day about the blue angel blue and the blue angel yellow and the, you know, the see, I want to do a blues jet so bad, but after crawling around on them damn things for the years that I did, it's, I'm afraid I'm not going to get the shade, right. I'm not, the yellow's not going to bright. The decals are going to bleed through. Something's just going to just not be there. It's just not going to be right. And I'm set my, I feel like I'm setting myself up for disappointment before I even break into the box. So, but uh, anyhow, most of, the, most of the decals out there now for the Blues Jets are really nice. Like yeah. the ones that come with those kits uh, are nice. They're, they're not going to, yeah, I can have bleed through with those. I think those are cartograph decals, if I'm not mistaken. I have yeah. to look at them, but I mean, they're, uh, they're you know, good. Some of those old super scale decals. Yeah. You know, the, the one I built years back was, yeah, I'd have to buy two sheets because I'd have to double them up. And, and that's not the case anymore. Most of the ones that are out there now. The yellow hammer sheet is fantastic. Uh, that was probably the first one that was completely opaque, and they even advertise that on the. They like let you know up front, you know, they're not going to bleed through. Yeah, um, right there on the packaging, and then the, the follow-on sheets that have come out, they all address that. You're not going to wind up with green markings. Yeah, that's it. Hey, good, good for you. 
I pulled the T on some Royal Resin wheels again. Uh, can't say enough about that guy's wheels. Um, you know, nice again stuff. with the S3, I was building, you know, I'm building this thing. So I was like looking at the kit wheels and I was like, nah, there's just no, nothing on this smooth, smooth tread. So I, I ordered up three sets to cover my, I have an ES3 and a card that I'm going to have to do at some point too. So that was my, that was my buys for the, the last week. As far as new stuff out there, new kit wise, um, the only thing I, I really saw that really jumped out at me that I found kind of comical and, and timely with the whole Desert Storm stuff was uh, Modeling News had a, um, who is it? Uh, so, someone's got Desert Storm signage. So it's oh, I saw that. <laughs> street signs and stuff from, from, from Kuwait. And the one thing that I noticed absent was, you know, we've all been over in that area of the world and this, the man crossing the street in a Kendora, you know? Yeah, they missed out. They dropped the ball on that. They didn't put that in the in the set. That's pretty bad. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I thought well, um, they, uh, probably the one piece of um, news that I, I was that res kit, uh, the F one eleven, that whole fix for the for that Ford fuselage. I thought that um, I think the the yeah. resident F one eleven expert out there, Mister Jim Rotrimmel, he uh, he's I think he's he's working with those guys to make sure and get that thing fixed. So it's, so it's, it's right. You know, cause it is a, you know, I didn't really understand the, what the problem was until you put a built kit next to a picture of the F of a real F one eleven, And it's, it's very noticeable. So I didn't realize it was that noticeable. So we'll, well, I'm really anxious yeah, I'm to see the res kit guys do. Yep. They do some nice stuff. So they do. Yep. One piece All of right. news. One piece of news I'd like Go to ahead. hit on that uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't was the uh, someone posted on Facebook the uh, comment from Mister T from Tamia about production keeping up uh, with the uh, sales. Yeah, uh, I know that I was talking to uh, someone here the other day, and there, um, I guess the uh, McLaren is out of stock here now and i mean they, they they're having a hard time with the uh, demand that's uh, everybody jumping back into the hobby with the covid home lockdown situation going on and which is good for the hobby but yeah and good for I think our it's podcast great. topic yeah I, I think it's very timely <laughs> right yeah but i i i know that we've all been building i've been building more than i have in years i think i built four last year which is double what i normally do and that's just because I'm home more. So it's it makes sense that, and I've noticed that paints and supplies and the the stuff that I normally use, sometimes it takes a little bit to get. Might have to, you know, some of the stores might be out of stock, which I think it's great. I think it's I think it's I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm happy to have to wait for a product because that means more people are out there building, which means it, more folks that we can reach more folks to talk about models with. So yeah, I think it's, I, it, it, I'm not surprised one bit to hear that, that to me is running out of, you know, or not running out of, but that they're, yeah, they're selling out of stuff, which is great. And this production's a little running a little behind. I think it's good. Yeah, it is good for the hobby. Awesome. And I know I've seen several reports about, you know, the uh, profits for some of these companies are, are really up. They're doing really well. So yep. that's good. It's good. And that thing that's going to help that too is uh, our good buddy, Jeff Martin over at Furball, he has a AV8A sheet coming out that I'm going to pick up whenever it comes out to go with the Kinetic AV8A that I got, which I think are the same squadrons and stuff that come in the Kinetic boxing. But 
I just really like Furball's decals. And if I got a shot to use those, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and use those on mine. So, and also he's got an F100 sheet coming out and that's an airplane that has always been in the back of my mind that I always thought was cool looking, you know, you see it from like Vietnam and everything and they're all Southeast Asia camouflaged. And then the natural metal ones that when you had the wing commanders markings on them, they had all those bright colors on them. And I thought that was a good contrast against the natural metal of the F100. So I'm looking forward to that. And I got a couple F100s in the stash that I would like to build one day. All right, man. Yeah, it is definitely a good time for the hobby for sure. A lot of new stuff. I'm going to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to our fellow podcasters out there. We had a uh, session a couple weekends back late at night with Dave from On the Bench and the Plastic Model Mojo fellas. Plastic Posse guys were in here. Uh, had some guys from the Scale Model Podcast up in Canada. And even James from Just Making Conversation over in the UK. Um, if you get a chance, give those guys a listen. And also along with the, uh, in the industry, I got to sh- give a shout out to Matthew Bowl of HobbyWorldUSA.com. Thanks for the Tamiya glue holders, Matt. They're excellent. Come in really handy. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah. That was a big surprise too. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, great. And very much appreciated. Yep. Very much so. Absolutely. We'll get well used. All right. Tool and tip of the week. Um, you know, we make it to where the guy in the left seat, that me being me today, comes up with a tool or tip of the week. And for me, it's um, kind of an obscure thing, really. Some probably you never even thought about. I didn't until all of a sudden it was a problem for me. <laughs> chair wheels. Yeah. The chair you're sitting in, in your hobby spaces, where you probably spent, spend most of your time. I know I've been spending a lot of my time here just with working from home. I share my office space with my modeling space. So I'm in the seat quite a bit. And one thing was irritating the heck out of me was my chair wheels kept scraping and catching and just, you know, finally I had to stop and look at them. And just, you know, it's a cheap office chair that I probably took from work. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I jumped that's, on I mean, Amazon. I'm like, I'm like, there's got to be a fix for this, right? There's got to be, you know, I, I want, and actually one of them broke off. And that, so that led me to, you know, I got to jump on Amazon and take a look. So I get on Amazon, I'm like office chair wheels, boom. And to my surprise, man, it's, it's an industry. It's a thing out there. And they're rollerblade wheels. I'm familiar with rollerblades because of playing roller hockey and everything. I was like, oh man, that's perfect. You know, because I'm on a concrete floor here too. Nice, smooth concrete. So I was, boom, ordered a set right away. And they were here in like two days and. It's made a world of difference in my in my happiness <laughs> while I'm in the seat. Um, it just makes, I mean, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, I even you can also get them out at um, like Lowe's and stuff like that. Your big, you know, to, to not throw corporate names out there, but your big box stores usually will have a section um, that carries this this these things as well. That's where I got so mine was, from. Uh, seeing yours, yeah, that's okay. where I went and got mine from. And I replaced mine and, in my chair. And doesn't it just make a world of difference? A, you know, A, the, the ones I got with three-inch diameter, so it brought a little bit of height, which is good. Yep. You know, keep me from uh, 
you, you know. And two, if you get a good push, you could slide across your room and get a good push. Oh man! So with that, I'm you know, in, in full I'm disclosure, I'm like Nancy Kerrigan on skates. Well, I was going to say full disclosure for the listeners out there. So when we're recording these, we can see each other because <laughs> we do it video uh, with video, and <laughs> it, and Whitey is just all over the place. He does. He looks like a figure skater. He's back and forth <laughs> and spinning around. Oh, and, man. Brian Boitano has nothing on me. I got I got my chair. What would Brian Boitano do? So so chair wheels. If you can, uh, if it's something that you you probably again probably never thought about it before. But if if those things down there are really bothering you, and the other thing is they're gonna fit your standard office chair. I guess it's industry wide. It's all like an eleven eleven millimeter diameter post or whatever, you know. So they just pop out and slide right in. You're all set. my other favorite new thing is, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Matt, Matt Bowl sent us these glue holders. And um, if you use Tammy liquid glues, like I'm sure most of us do, or the Pantoline Accent stuff even, because it's the same size bottles, uh, they'll fit right in those glue holders really nice. And um, you know what? You don't if, if you own a 3D printer or know somebody that does, there are files online that you can just download the file and have and print those things out. You know, so it, they're invaluable. I mean, I, I don't know. I know I've... I'm not alone in, in, in being the guy who's spilled a bottle of Tamiya glue across my desk. And boy, that stuff makes a mess and you better open all the windows when that happens. Uh, so go ahead and get yourself some glue holders. And also yeah, too, thought- with the ones that Matt sent us, they have a black insert that you can take out because you know how the uh, Gunsy products, their bottles are a little bit bigger than Tamiya. And so you can yeah. fit those in there as well. Yeah. He makes different inserts for me. So you change them out to round ones for your Microsoft and uh, that's a good idea. and you know, all that. Oh that's, man. So. Darren, I'm, glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the Microsoft Microset. Same thing, right? How many of us have knocked over a bottle of Microsoft Microset? All of us. Right. And so I think why do you, whoever came up with the trick, but the used rattle can, to me, a lids. Mm-hmm. If you take the, the the lid, flip it upside down, it's it fits perfect. It's perfect shape, perfect size to put in your microsol or microset. So that is just something that's super simple to do and will keep you from. It's happened to me, right? It keeps me from spilling over my microsol or microset. So it's another little cool little tip for for your stuff. Excellent. All right, so tools and tips. There you go. Um, you know, and if if anyone even has some good ideas out there that wants to toss them our way, that'd be awesome too. We'll put them out to the public, no problem. Uh, speaking of tossing stuff our way, it's mail call time. Mail call. I got the mail buoy watch this week, and uh, I'm going to roll through some of the ones that we've gotten. Um, some good stuff out there for some people. To prove that we are on the World Wide Web, man, we got a David Hadigan down in Canberra, Australia. He touched base with us. Says he's really enjoying the show down here in Canberra. Just caught up on episode three. He got me thinking about the modeling process, especially accuracy and detail versus a simple, enjoyable build. Says he just finished the Hasegawa Betty 72 scale one. And the basic kit lacks so much detail I had to attempt scratch building for the first time. So there you go, planning out that process. Thanks for that email, David. He's posted pics on our uh, page as well, so if you want to go ahead and have a look, it's looking nice, man. He's got some real cool chipping going on with that thing. You know, and, and, and good, on him, the, good on good yeah. on for uh, venturing out to the scratch building stuff too. That's uh, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. I have the uh, old Haskell Mavis kit, and I want to kind of do that same effect. I want to get you know because those things really took a beating out there late in the war. 
paint peeling off in sheets. You see photos of them out there. Uh, Kip yeah, Jackson, saline. Oh, go ahead. I built the Tamiya 48 scale one like 10 years ago. And I did that chip the paint. I chipped on accident because I was trying to clean the panel lines. And because I put Tamiya over top of the Alclad, it kind of like chipped off and everything. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, I just went through and I even chipped up the uh, Hina Morus, the meatballs on the wings. And I found out later on that that was one thing that the Japanese airmen, they took pride in was the aircraft could look like a piece of crap all beat up. But the Hina Morus were like pristine or they're well kept better than the actual aircraft was because it was like a religious thing to them. And they took pride in that. Whereas like with our airplanes, you know, our guys are just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but so whatever. I just realized that I chipped the, uh, the Hina Morus and I was like, ah, I shouldn't have. So, and I put one of the flaps cause there's two different schemes. You had the green and gray and then you had the uh, two tone green and brown camouflage. And I painted one of the flaps, that green and brown camouflage, to look like it had come off another airplane and was put on. Just keep that one flying. So, good kit, though. All right. Uh, where was I? Kip Jackson out of Saline, Michigan. He's building a Ryefield Models Oshkosh MRAP ATV. He's wondering if any of us build it, and I can tell him right now that we haven't. And I responded back to him telling him that. But definitely seen those a lot in country. And, um, I kick myself for not taking a bunch of photos of them because, you know, you here you had great examples of weathering right in front of you, and uh, just didn't think at the time to okay maybe I should take photos of these things in case I because again you know I might not be an armor builder but applying different techniques is cross spectrum. You know, with the armor deal, that's I I I don't generally build armor. I know a couple of you guys have built it, but I I think if I was going to do armor. The MRAP is one of those subjects that I would really like to do. Uh, those in Humvees, there's, for some reason, those really just kind of draw me in. You know, they're just cool. Bronco makes a really yeah. good MRAP. They make really good uh, Humvee uh, kits out there. Tamiya makes the Humvee as well. But the MRAP, just a cool a cool vehicle. I, I, I'd yeah. like to do one. I love just the because uh, I've I've actually I have the the Abrams the Ryfield models um, Abrams I haven't started it yet but just taking a look at the sprues and looking in the box the Ryfield stuff looks fantastic looks and I've heard nothing but good reviews on on their on their models and I think you know because I, I would want to chip it as well when I chipped up the T fifty five I used hairspray I used hairspray and then I also did some hand painted chips so again techniques that I used to build aircraft. I just directly translated into building an armor model. The, the the only difference was that I used a little bit of hairspray and then I did some hand painted chips, but all the other techniques with using thinning the paint, using the airbrush, um, dry brushing, all those weathering techniques that I use on aircraft, it, they translated perfectly over to armor. It was, uh, yeah. it was, and it was a lot of fun. It was, it was easy to do too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there you go. Uh, you can definitely, you know, learn from each other, they, you know, and, and apply it to, oh, yeah. what you're, to what you're working on. Yep. Full disclosure. Uh, I was just looking at the stash and I do have the Panda models MRAP, the little, the four by four one, like, I guess like the first version that they came out with. And I was like, oh man, I should build that one day. But I don't know. Jump on it. It's cool, there man. There you go. 
Yep. 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 Our armor stuff's cool. I mean, anything, you know, I've got, I have ships in my stash. I have armor in my stash. I have figures. Of course, I've got a ton of aircraft. I have some Star Wars stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah, I'm, we all kind of basically build aircraft, but I just <laughs> love models, period. You know, it's all good. You know, I kind of like the whole figure thing too, because one of the ones that I've always wanted to do was that old Verlinden Productions 120 millimeter B-17 waist gunner. And I think that would have been kind of cool to do. I always thought that was cool. I knew some, I had some buddies back in the day that built it and everything and looked kind of neat. I thought it'd be kind of yeah. cool to do, but I could never, I would never Genie attempt piece. a figure because I wouldn't know what to do. You know what? Though a figure, so I mean, that takes, that takes an artist touch. You, I mean, lighting, shading, yeah, I mean, uh, all of that stuff. And I um, mean, that, that is truly, uh, an art form, uh, within itself. I, I, my, my hat's off to the guys that do that. And pull. I love walking through the show and looking at the figures and the busts. Uh, that are it's just amazing. Some of the work, I mean, all the way down to the eyes and the, the glare of the light off the eyes of which way it's coming from. Awesome stuff. All right. Uh, got an email also from uh, Dean Berg. He says he's loved the newest podcast, really good info on paints. That must be episode two he was listening in on, especially discussion on thinning. Thank you, Scott. Learned a great deal. And you also made him go out and spend some money on buying a new SOTA 2020. Yeah, I'm even thinking about sorry. buying one of those too. I'm telling you, it's worth that. it. It's worth it's yeah. worth every penny. If you buy a Sotar and you don't like it, I'll buy it from you. It's it, right. it's you're gonna love it. It's awesome. Sounds like sounds like a deal. Yep, I've got well, mine. I haven't even used it yet. Still in the the thing. So you gotta break it out, man. Break it out, and it's just you, you've been. It's just amazing the control well, that you have, the trigger feel, just the way it you know it operates it's just a great piece of gear and they're not it's not super expensive you know to me i had i sprayed that airbrush and then immediately like two seconds later i sprayed the harder and steamback and um and then i sprayed a 600 hundred dollar iwata custom micron and the sotar without a doubt was my favorite i ended up selling um the uh the iwata because it was just i mean it's just 600 bucks sitting in my closet that i'm not going to use and uh, the the hardened steam back is it's it's still it's a nice airbrush, but there's just something about that Sotar man. It just it's just I love it, I really do. One of my future projects coming up, I was going to use it on break it out. That was going to be my my test run on. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep everybody posted. All right, you gotta have people running out and spending more money. Good for the hobby. <laughs> yeah. Good for the hobby. A dying hobby, right? The hobby's dying. Yeah. yeah. Cole Jacobson, he's Facebook messaged us. He says the podcast has inspired him to take a swing at my first military aircraft since getting back into the hobby. Oh, he's got to bang out a Wolfpack 148 T38. He says my dad was an F-16 pilot, so I want to do builds of everything he flew. There's that same, you know, there it is again, coming back into the hobby. Yep. Um, and yeah. being inspired by, you know, like your like your dad, you know, like all of us, we That's all right. talked about on episode one. What was our inspiration? Yeah. How do we get started? You know, something like that. So it's it's um, you know, it's just something I think we all can can relate to. That's awesome, man. That's super cool. If he's got questions about work, because why do you've built that kit? And you know, hap- we're we're here to help. You know, so you got yeah. any questions? Pop us a line. Yeah, let us just know make you sure you put the the turbine exhaust faces 
in the burner cans before you put the burner can assembly into the fuselage. Don't do like I did and uh, forgot to add those. I did a commission build for an NFO friend of mine that I used to fly with. And he wanted a TPS, Test Pilot School, T-38. And he gave me the uh, Trumpeter, T NASA T-38, which is different from the ones that the Test Pilot School flies. So I grabbed the Wolfpack one off the shelf, so I have four of them. And I went to go do that. I started getting it going together and everything. And I realized, I was like, let me ask, did he want the A or does he want the C? Because the C has the glass cockpit. And he wanted the C. So I started doing the A with the Wolfpack kit. So I had to shelf that and went back to the trumpeter kit. And so I built that form, got that out the door. And then I was looking at the Wolfpack kit because I kind of want to do a NASA one. that has the SR-71 chase plane with the SR-71 silhouette in the tail. And I was looking at it, and that was when I looked at the burner cans. And I saw that I forgot to put the turbine faces inside the burner cans. So I've got to figure out some kind of exhaust plug or see if I can float some extra thin around it again to loosen it up to get it back out to fix it. So that's why it's on the shelf. So be in mind, if you go do that kit, make sure you put those things in first. There you go, Cole. Lots of experience on that kit. So as Scott <laughs> said, let us know if you got any questions. Again, that came to us via Facebook message. So on our Facebook page, uh, just if you're out there listening, if you want to submit photos of, of your stuff, like oh, we have a good friend of ours, Chris Derricks, he put a bunch of photos of his B1 build up there, and it's it looking really good. Um, the community tab is where you want to look to, to see your posts. We, you know, they come to us, we approve them, we'll put them up there. And uh, in the community section is where you're going to see guys uh, who have posted stuff up and see their work. Um, like I said, Chris has some really good, good shots of his uh, B1 build out there more recently. And finally, you know, I got an email just yesterday from an Ethan Eidenmill. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, thanks. He says he wants to thank us for an excellent new addition to the model podcast world. I found your discussion on paint, especially in lightning. Um, and then secondly, he's got yeah. this is kind of a kind of an announcement, kind of a plug. So here for any listeners in the Southwest U.S. this summer, IPMS San Diego, in cooperation with the San Diego Model Car Club and the San Diego Air and Space Museum, are pleased to announce. We are planning to host a San Diego Model Expo on Saturday, June 5th at the San Diego Air and Space Museum Annex at Gillespie Field. Details are available on our website, www.ipmssd.org. So, if you folks living out that way, that part of the country, June, uh, good warm-up prior to the Nats for you right there. Um, thank you all for writing in and dropping us a message on Facebook. Uh, if you have a question show suggestion or just want to say you're tuning in feel free to toss us a message we're at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com or post on our facebook page directly thanks for uh thanks again that's going to move us right into our the main topic of today and we've kind of alluded to it and it's kind of been mentioned in a few of the uh messages before i've already uh popped up uh and the idea uh Hit my hit me from a message a few weeks back from a friend of yours, Darren, uh, yep. Steve Holmes. Yep. Um, he hit us up uh, asking, "What gear, equipment, slash tools do you recommend for us that are considering jumping back into the hobby? And what has changed since the seventies? And then also, Brian Schultz, he wrote a, wrote in about the same topic. He's returning after a twenty year break, 
And then just more recently, Kevin Dreschel, he Facebook messaged us, says, I'm getting back into the hobby after about 25 years or so, and I'm blown away by what people are doing compared to what I did in junior high and high school. So I think it's a timely, definitely a timely question, given the stay-at-home nature of things. A lot of folks are rediscovering the hobby, and a lot has changed to make it more enjoyable. So if you're coming back into the hobby, which, again, has been uh, something that we've seen. I mean, we talked about... Tamia trying to keep up with production, record sales, and hobby uh, hobby shops uh, trying to trying to keep stock. Uh, even just this morning, I'm looking at Facebook. Um, our friend Mike Reeves at Phase Hanger Resin, he's struggling to keep up with demand. Uh, he makes great stuff, so you know he's worried about compromising his quality, and absolutely don't. Uh, you know, take your time. We'll wait. We're all pretty patient. So again, uh, for, for coming back in for starters, find out, I'd recommend this. Find out if there's a model club near you and attend one of their meetings. Uh, obviously right now, kind of hard to do, but most are running Zoom meetings. Uh, so I, I want to say the IPMS USA website has a listing of clubs and you can email them directly. They will put you on their email list and you will get email, you know, the Zoom invites uh, if you want to participate via Zoom. And, you know, a, a club's a great place to start, for sure, especially coming coming back in after a long time. You know, one thing yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to add to that, too, is Facebook is a great place. And, and, and this goes for the clubs out there that aren't advertising. You can look at it like a membership drive, right? You could boost your membership numbers by putting a Facebook page out there for your club and then that in turn lets the people out there that are searching just go on facebook and put you know whatever new york or wherever it is you are model club and facebook and see what pops up they're out yeah. there you know even local hobby lobby sometimes you'll you, you'll find flyers <laughs> um well, we've had two new members jump into our club from yep. just our uh our model geeks facebook page uh, yep. you know they realized we were here in southern maryland and hey is there a club well, yes, there is, you know, so they got their fact, name on our, they got on the name on the email list and, uh, and they were, a couple of them were in the uh, zoom meeting just the other night, Thursday night, Thursday nights when is when we do ours and, uh, you know, other, other clubs, again, they, they're going to set their dates and times. I can't wait till we can actually all meet again so that we can actually like sh- share our builds and talk models. Cause I think that's probably one of the reasons why I feel because I've been in several clubs before, but the one that we're in right now, the particular, the Southern Maryland scale modelers, I've never been in a club that operates this way where we don't talk a lot of business. There's not, it's not real formal. It's, it's a big group of guys getting together and bringing your models in and talking about what you're working on and, and showing, and, show and tell that is 99% of what our club is. And, and it's also a really good group of people. So we all get along, have a great time together. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait till we can get back to where we can start meeting again. Cause I think that, you know, I, I miss seeing all the guys, you know, and just seeing everybody's work. This is a lot of fun, Absolutely. but the zoom Absolutely. meetings are great. They're hilarious. There's there like our Christmas party that we had this year when we did the zoom meeting, that was, that was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I just encourage folks to just reach out, you know, and if you're having trouble, um, you know, finding a group or whatever, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can to help you find a group of guys to, uh, 
to be able to talk models with because it's fun. I really enjoy it. Absolutely. Okay, to kick it back to Steve's question, though, what gear, equipment, tools do you recommend? Okay, so first and foremost, you need a kit and make it a quality kit. Yes. Uh, so, you know, to toss out a couple of, I, you know, I don't know what Steve's interest in building is or what his level of experience is and stuff like that, but for just anyone coming back to the hobby, hopefully, you know, and I've heard this discussed um, on, on another podcast too. Um, Stuart mentioned this from uh, Stuart up at Scale Model Podcast in Canada. He's, he's really emphatic about to get someone into the hobby or someone coming back to the hobby is not, don't give them your old frog kit. <laughs> frogs and old for, for those not in the know frogs an old brand of, uh, oh, yeah. of kit from the 60s and 70s i mean they're not the best quality so a quality kit and right now you can't ask for for better when it comes to you know somewhat inexpensive quality kits um the airfix some of the airfix 172 kits come to mind again the more modern releases of those uh and if you know and they if if it's not aviation you're into um bandai the Bandai Star Wars kits are fantastic. I'm not a sci-fi builder, but I want to build a couple of those. Uh, they're just great quality. If you're an armor guy, Tamiya, they make a, you know, if you don't want to jump squ- straight into a 135 tank with multiple parts, their 148 line of, of uh, armor kits are, are, are great too. Uh, and, and, you know, what about you guys, you know, quality kit wise, if you're, you know, again, put yourself in the mindset of a beginner or someone coming back into the hobby. You know, um, some of my favorite and even the older kits now you could, you are, are the 172nd scale Hasegawa kits, the P47s, they're inexpensive, five bucks. You could find one of those, uh, online, but they, they're just, I mean, in gray panel lines, uh, the moldings are really good. They're, they're fairly, uh. Uh, easy to, to to put together. I think they're they're great kits. Uh, they're Hornets, they're A6s, A4s, some of those older 72nd scale. Uh, you're not going to break the bank on them, right? Uh, and no, if you're no, just no. jumping back in, uh, what a great one to practice uh, getting your skills back up to par. Another one, the Edward Weekend Edition kits. Super inexpensive. You know, 20, yeah, 25 yeah, bucks. Nice uh, typically newer molds and uh here again great kits so that's the aviation side I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the tamiya stuff the old willie's jeep comes to mind it's a fairly simple kit but i get you into uh, uh building uh you know the armor style stuff i mean those are my favorites uh, but what about you guys uh, scott yeah i think for me definitely the a, a tamiya type of kit whether it's a ship a figure a tank, a car, you know, the, some of their 72nd scale, even their 48 scale, you know, simple kits are like the Spitfire, a 48 scale to me, a Spitfire is one of the simplest, easy. That's what I did for my March madness build last year. It's a simple kit. It falls together. You don't need putty. You just need glue. And it's, there's lots of different schemes that you can do. Uh, you know, and so I think coming back in, I, I could not agree more with picking a, qu- a quality kit because it's not going to fight you. Like I wouldn't recommend somebody coming back in. Let's say they want to build a SU-27. I would not recommend somebody who's just getting back to the hobby to pick up the Kitty Hawk SU-27. Not that it can't be built. It's just it's going to test your patience. So why not build a Tamiya Spitfire or the 
P51 or something like that, or one of the Airfix uh, kits. I think that that's you're gonna you're just gonna you're gonna be focusing on the fun aspect, and you're just gonna be enjoying getting back rather than beating your head up against the wall because stuff's just not lining up and the instructions are wrong. <laughs> you know, so um, I also I would say you know, what did we all grow up with? We grew up with some of the monogram kits. You know, there's a couple of those old monogram kits that are fantastic um, just because there are not a lot of parts and the fit is pretty decent. Race panel lines, but eh, so what? Race panel lines, no, no worries. But, you know, if somebody's asking me, I would say pick up um, a Tamiya kit. Start with, if you know, depending on what genre you want to build, you know, aircraft, ship, figure, car, whatever. They're just not going to fight you. And then once you get your skill level back and start to get your, your modeling legs underneath you, then you can move on to some of the, you know, the, the, the kits that require a little bit more engineering. So that's what I would recommend quality kit wise is starting off with, uh, something to me. Absolutely. I'd go along with that as well. And not just some of the, you know, not just the newer Tamiya stuff, but like some of their older stuff too, from the late nineties, early two thousands, those kits they had coming out like their p51 is a great build you know i mean it goes together you could have it together in a weekend if you wanted to you know and the fit is that good on them and they just go together and as everybody knows i have a special fondness for those old monogram kits that have the paintings of the box arts and everything and i just think those are great kits like scott said there's not very many parts and the fit is very good i mean people like to turn their nose up sometimes at a monogram kit but you look back at their Century Series fighters, those things were some of the best kitted 48 scale F100s oh, and yeah. F102s and F106s. And they built, I mean, why you've got a few of them on your shelves. I mean, I've got a couple yeah. and they build up into nice kits. I mean, I got no problem building a monogram kit. Now, some, there uh, are some that require more work than others, but I think monogram really, they hit a home run with some of those Century Series fighters and those World War II prop airplanes that they came out with yeah I, I think i mean like i wouldn't recommend building the 48 scale b24 monogram kit you know but but building the 48 right. scale f100 or the a4 man those just simple kits go together really well and uh, and you're going to enjoy yourself and that's that's what i'm you know starting to get back to is you know now granted you know with the su27 i, I wouldn't say i'm quote enjoying that right now but it's still you know I, I think back to you know if somebody's coming back in the hobby you know one of those classic monogram kits but you know are great but if i'm telling them yeah to me all the way it's just it's just because they're simple and they go together well and you're not going to beat your head up against a wall you know not going to be fighting you all right so a quality kit for starters definitely um, yep. then fr fr from there you know of course, you're going to need basic hobby tools, uh, X-Acto knife, number 11 blades, quality set of tweezers, maybe some sprue cutters. Again, that's, is that getting too advanced? I don't know. I don't you think can find so. all this think... stuff at, you, you can get all this stuff at your local Hobby Lobby, too. It's not like you have to uh, peruse the internet and... And, and everything like that. I'm, I try, I'm trying, you know, keeping it, keeping it simple here. I'm thinking if I'm going to walk down the street to the Hobby Lobby or the Michaels or whatever, what do they have on this shelf that I can get that's going to get me started on a, you know, while I'm sitting around my home office board? <laughs> yeah. I, and Whitey, I think the, you know, when I first bought my first set 
of uh, of decent sprue cutters, it was kind of a game changer because it was just easy to to get the the parts cut off the sprues and not yeah. leave these huge chunks of stuff that I had to try to get rid of, you know? So I, I agree. I think a quality set of sprue cutters, of course you can splurge and grab the, to me, a sprue cutters or some of the other that they have out there that are, I don't know, what are they like? 40 bucks? Uh, maybe I paid, I paid like 40 bucks for my God hand. And I think it's one of the but, best 40 right. bucks I, think, I ever spent. <laughs> but I think they're worth it. Yeah. That's where I'm like, yeah, sometimes you're like, do I really need an expensive? Yes. Like absolutely. I think that if you have the money and you have the ability and you can do it, if you splurge on a nice set of sprue cutters, you are not going to be like, I can't believe I spent four. You're going to get them and you're going to cut the sprue off. You're going to be like, <laughs> you know, it's just, oh, it's just glorious. It's, it's nice. They're, they're, they're worth it. Every penny. Yep. So there you go. Sprue cutters. Do your research. Buy what you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're if you're just really getting started and you're unsure of where it's going to go, I mean. Yeah, I spent forty dollars on a pair of God hand, and they they are amazing. But I mean, I spend the I, I I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going away from this hobby, right? But folks yeah. that are just coming back in, tre- testing the waters, you know, wanting to get started. Prox, uh, what is it? The uh, Zuron, yeah, uh, and yeah, testers. Are, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, they're fine. they're yeah. fairly inexpensive. You know, don't go out those and break the bank. Those ones are actually what? Zuron. Are cutters they? too. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're just repackaged by testers. I mean, yeah, don't 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 go out and break the bank. You know, it, it's like uh, we have here on the list the uh, sanding sticks, for instance. You know, you you yeah. you could go nuts buying infinity sanding pads and and sticks, um, and and they can get quite expensive. But the alternative is to go down here to CVS and get some. Uh, the multi-sided uh, nail polish uh, sanding sticks. You know, I I started off with those, and, and there's nothing to say that those aren't good when you're you're you're, you're testing the waters and want to, uh, you know, get back in on the cheap. So yeah, Sally's first beauty supply has the best selection of sanding sticks ever, and they are super cheap. And I still I, I have tons of them, and they're they're awesome. Yeah. And they work really well, and they're uh, cheap. They are they are cheap. But I think one of the biggest things in, you know, Whitey, this is your your list. I think one of the big, the game changers out of all of the tools is glue. Yep. That was next on the list. Yep. Glue. Exactly. You know, and, you know, if you are coming back from the 70s there, Steve, uh, you're probably familiar with the old testers tube glue and the orange tube. Uh, you know, I don't even know if you can find that stuff yeah, anymore. You can. you can. Good luck. You can. You can? Okay. Oh, yeah. You, well, you, we don't want to go there. No, uh, thin liquid cement is is is, is what you want, uh, and maybe a, a small tube of super glue for some of the stuff that's uh, that needs to get a, a strong instant bond. Um, but the, even though the you know I know we speak about Tamiya liquid, uh, and, and that that stuff's awesome. And you, again, you know, keeping it simple, you can find that stuff down at your local Hobby Lobby, or if you have a hobby, if you're even you know to have a Hobby Town USA in, in your town is is a, is a plus too. We don't even have the luxury of that, um, you know. But that's what you know when you when you're thinking glues. Don't don't think that old tube stuff. Uh, you know, liquid stuff with with the brush incorporated into the bottle. Uh, th- that is what you're going to use to to hold you to put your stuff together. Um, after glue, I, I, you know. I, now, you, go ahead. 
Yeah, uh, sorry, Whitey. I was just going to say, I think that when we're talking about game changers and what's changed from like the seventies, eighties to to now, um, I, I can't think of another. You know, I'm thinking, okay, airbrushes, well, they're pretty much the same kind of, you know, still same principle, you know, using an airbrush or using a compressor or whatever. That's all kind of similar. You know, the plastic, the models have gotten better, but that's across the board. So whatever kit you're going to kind of pick up today, but the number one, kind of the biggest game changer, I agree, it's got to be the glue. And then there's the two different types of that. I used to use, um, was it Pro Weld? And then they had some other type of those type of glues yeah. they were hot they were hot they were really really hot like <laughs> when i first learned how to use it it took a little getting used because the the applicator was that kind of really thick black bristled brush you know so you're you're goop man you only need like just a smidge of that stuff and that's what's great about whether it's the tamiya um you know thin cement or extra thin cement um, and the extra thin is just a little hotter. It'll just, it'll, it dries a little bit quicker. The, the thin cement, you know, it takes just a little bit longer to dry. Yeah. The quick um, setting. Still, yeah. The quick the setting's quick, hotter. Yeah. yeah. And then, but then, and then Gunsey has got some, or Mr. Hobby, they have their Mr. Cement or Mr. Cement S, which is the same kind of thing. But both of those have the super simple applicators where it only allows you to just use a little bit. And, you know, if you're going to use this stuff, which I highly recommend trying out some to me extra thin is just be just go easy with it. You don't need much, you know, let the let the glue kind of do its work. Um, we can even, you know, if you got questions about this kind of stuff, you know, please just make sure and shoot us an email or two. And we'll happy to talk to you about how to apply it and how to use it. But that that glue is just a game changer because it's in clamps. Oh, my goodness. I use clamps for everything, and uh, I used to never use clamps before. <laughs> anyway, yeah, glue's a big one. Yeah, so just f- for you guys, the listeners out there, knew, I, actually, I had a buddy of mine reach out uh, here not too long ago, a week, two weeks ago, uh, Jimmy, uh, who's getting back into as well, and we talked about this, the glue, and he had the testers, and I told him, I said, oh, no, 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 and he did. He went down to Hobby uh hobby hobby town and got some of the uh he said oh my god this stuff's amazing so for you guys coming back in the the glues they don't they don't they melt the plastic okay it's a weld almost it's not really a glue in the old sense of you know def or the old definition of glue it actually welds the plastic together melts it welds it together and that stuff actually just kind of wicks into the seam so if you touch it capillary action just pulls it straight down in there it doesn't take a lot to to what scott was saying just touch that brush right at the top of your seam and it will run straight down in there uh it's amazing and amazing stuff glue that's why i capitalized it on the list very important it is (laughs) (laughs) all right uh from there you you know probably some brushes right quality stuff not the not the test is uh white stick white handle Although, yeah, although, yeah, yeah. although just a quick little, little, what I use those for, cause I do use those or a toothbrush. Um, those black tipped, uh, white handle tester brushes are great for static wicks and you know, they're already, they're black. So, and they're super flexible, so you can you trim go. them off glue them in. So yeah, they, they, those, that's about all those testers brushes are good for static wicks, <laughs> static wicks, but hit up your, uh, you know, your, again, your local hobby supply store. 
and uh, they're going to have racks and racks of, of brushes in various qualities and and price ranges and things like that. And uh, and and just you know, brushes have a lot more uses than just for slinging paint. You know, using them for decal placement is also a plus. Um, you know, I, I mean, I have you know, again, getting all nerdy and geeky. I, I have separate brushes that I use solely for decals. Um, so, okay, so, so there's your basic hobby tool list right there. You know, just to run down the exacto knife, tweezers, sprue cutters, sand and sticks, glue, brushes. You know, there you go. There's your toolbox. Yep. Um, now, you want to step it up or not? You know, airbrushes. Again, you know, a lot of people think, okay, airbrushing, that, that, that's getting a little advanced. I wish someone gave me an airbrush when I was eight years old. Oh, again, if you know, if we're talking about guys coming back into the hobby, maybe they didn't never used an airbrush before, but now you know they they see that that seems to quote unquote be the trend. Oh my God, everyone's airbrushing their stuff these days. It, it's not you know you don't have to go out and buy the two hundred dollars Sota twenty twenty to to get rolling. One of my favorite airbrushes is my cheap Iwata Neo. Again, something that's readily available at, at your local big box hobby store. And I why don't Neo CN? Is, is, I have that thing, and, and that's pretty much my my brush of choice when it comes to just hitting hitting you know basic coverage for you know shooting the inside of a, of a fuselage, uh, coating uh, the the cockpit well, you know putting that initial base paint down. Uh, I'll grab that thing because it's it's easy to use and it's easy to clean and. Also, you know, it, it's double action. And I see, you know, you see the question posed a, a lot of the time where people are, hey, I'm getting my first airbrush and everyone recommends a single action. I, I don't because my first airbrush was a single action and I wish it wasn't. I had, you know, your standard posh age is what I had. And it frustrated the heck out of me adjusting the paint spray, swapping out nozzles for medium, fine or, well, you know, large area coverage. I found with the amount of a disassembly that you had to do for cleaning, you tended to damage stuff more easily. Yeah, I think that at YD, I'm with you. I think that uh, my first airbrush was a Badger 100. I think it was a single action. And again, I just didn't, nobody's like my dad got me an airbrush for Christmas one year when I was, I think I was like 11 or 12. And I was like, well, how do I use it? <laughs> and um, he's like, I don't know figure it out, read about it, you know, but yeah, I, I think a dual action, uh, I would recommend somebody if you're, if you're going to get an airbrush, I'm with you. Just don't, you don't need a single action. You can make a single yeah. action out of a dual action. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm glad I met I'm glad you mentioned how to use it. Uh, because right along with that is, you know, there's, there's a gazillion YouTube videos out there on how to airbrush. Uh, yep. there's a gazillion hobby, uh, YouTube channels that you can tune into and watch just off the cuff you know what comes to mind to me is um paul budzik scale model workshop he's got a great youtube series the guy's videos are just they're short and they're they're basic and, and to the point and and well um well produced and well uh well written well well you know they're easy to follow i mean it's it's and you know if you're a guy someone's coming back in or even a beginner, you know, there you go, pop it in, you know, not only that, you know, he's got stuff on, you know, tips of how to disassemble and clean. And, you know, most all airbrushes are, you know, made up of the same components. So whether what doesn't matter what brand, 
um, it, the, the fundamentals are, are still there. Yeah. So I, I know that those, those are listeners saying, well, airbrush, well, oh, now I got to buy a compressor. Well, yeah, not oh. necessarily. There's compressed air, right? You, here we're, we're talking about not breaking the bank on someplace, you know, jumping into something that you, you may not want to, you don't know if you're going to stick around for a long period of time, you know, compressed air uh, for air compressors. I remember actually my first one was that little blue testers air compressor. Remember the little electrical one? Yeah, man. And it, yeah. it worked, it worked great, you know, for, for just jumping into, uh, the hobby at that point. So I uh, think I, I paid 90, I'm sorry, back in 1990, I got my first decent compressor and I think I paid 50 bucks for it. And I, that's still what I use today. Yeah. I've so got they're one. not super expensive. Yeah. I think I, mine has a tank on it with a little water trap on it. And I think yeah. I got this at Harbor Freight for like 80 bucks. <laughs> it's still yeah. i mean it was years ago you know that that that's some money if you you know again i i want to re reemphasize the focus here is 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 folks coming back instead of you know they're probably our demographic you know so they have some extra spending money and things like that you know that you know, you're not talking about a kid here so you know spend spend the money on it on get yourself a nice compressor because again sure. it, that that goes right back to having a quality kit to start with is having the, the quality tools as well. well they're still uh, really not that expensive. I, Hobby Lobby no, is just not. in there, that, and there's a mean. nice, like, nice little Awada air compressor is you know two hundred thirty bucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, of course, I want to go to the same setup that uh, that Frill has here with the uh, compressed air. That's what I roll it to. It's uh, oh, is it? I love it. Yeah. You know, I no mean, noise. It's, it's quiet. No moisture. No, no moisture. That's the key, right? How many times where. You're spraying, you know, I, cause I, I had some guys have to spray, some people have to spray outside. And I, when I first learned how to airbrush, I had, my parents would not let me spray inside the house. So I had to spray outside. And the first time I learned about, oh, you have to have a, a moisture trap is you're up spraying and then just, you know, water all over my model. And I'm like, ah, you know, not granted it just blew right off and everything was right. fine, but still it'll scare you. Yeah. It'll scare you. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. And if you have an airbrush, you're going to need something to shoot out of that airbrush. That stuff is paints. And I'll, already, I'll, I'll start with this. When it comes to paints, if you're someone new coming back in from a 20-year hiatus, I feel your pain when it comes to paints because I'm overwhelmed by the paints. And the amount of paints and brands and types that have come out within call it the last five years so i'll leave it at that and discuss and, and pass it like who wants to talk paints again you're you're coming back in after 20 years what what, what where would you want to be paint wise go well i want to start i'm going to jump in because i think this is this part of the topic is going to go way deep here in a second it can yes okay paints is another one of those that are a game changer. Yes. Okay. Right up there with the glues that it's changed so much. No more is it the little testers bottles of enamel. Okay. We've evolved, went through the model master series, the acryl series. We've moved into acrylics, kind of come back over to lacquers. There's just so many, as Whitey said, so many different types of paints. And I think what type of paint? Well, it depends on what it is you're going to do, right? So, again, yes, you could go 
we can go down a giant rabbit hole with paints. If you are coming in from a 20-year break, I'm sorry to announce that Model Master is kaput. Yep, kaput. <laughs> so, so if, you, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a military modeler and, and that was your go-to, because it was for me, man, back in... Uh, yeah. You know, I think that's what we all 90s. started with. That's what yeah. that's what I through used. the eighties yep. and nineties. It was man, they have all the FS colors. That's all I need. Yep. Um, and then the even if you're an armor guy, they had all, you know. So that was they had all the was, RLM stuff. It. Yep, they had right. all the RLM so, colors. You know, yeah. But wah, wah, so again, wah, wah. So also too something to keep in mind is where are you going to be painting? You know, if you're going to be doing it yeah. at your kitchen table or in a bedroom or in your garage. Huge point. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think, you know, for me, I paint indoors. So because I got tired of painting outside. So I spray acrylic, you know, for the most part, water-based acrylic. Well, not water-based, but just I, I spray acrylic. So Gunsy Aqueous is what I like to use. And that's, um, you know, it's an alcohol-based acrylic um, vice using a lacquer or an enamel, which the, there, there are advantages and disadvantages to all of them. But yeah, I think if Knowing where you're going to spray, I'm an indoor sprayer. I don't even have a paint booth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just opened up a window. I opened up a window and put on my, I have a respirator that I spray with um, and I spray indoors. But um, so that's a thing. Always, I think and no matter what you're spraying, if you're spraying inside and it's, you know, you have the ability to open a window. I think that's, that's a good, it's just smart. And, and where, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm airbrushing. I got my respirator on. Um but for me, somebody, you know, if somebody asked me, Hey Scott, cause I love, I love paint. I love mixing and airbrushing. That's, that's just my favorite part about modeling. And so if somebody was coming back in, you know, me personally, I would recommend to me, acrylics or Gunsy acrylics are great paint, but really the, to me, acrylic or those are easy to mix. They spray well, they don't have a ton of colors, but they have the colors that you need. And, uh, you know, so I think that if you're going to spray that stuff, it, it sprays really nice through an airbrush. So that's, and, and it brush paints. Okay. It's not like if I'm going to do some brush painting, I think like the Vallejo, you know, series of paint, they just, they brush paint really well. But, um, again, I, that, I think that's a great answer to the question is it, it really does depend. And so folks like email us and ask us, Hey, this is the specifics on what I want to do. How would you recommend me doing? It? And then we can give you some more like specific information. It is. And the two brands you just mentioned, Tamiya and the Vallejo, the first thing that comes to mind with, with for me, if I'm a new, if, if I'm a returning to the, the ease of availability, I don't have to worry about getting on a website, ordering stuff. Again, if I have a Hobby Town USA or a Hobby Lobby nearby, chances are there's Vallejo available or Tamiya, there's a Tamiya rack available. Yep. Um, you know, so for ease of availability, there you go. There's your, those are the two brands that came to my mind is like, man, if I'm going to brush paint, give me Vallejo. If I'm going to shoot through an airbrush, give me the Tammy rack. Yep. And the, and the, and I would just always recommend, um, so when you're coming back to the hobby and you're, or you're starting out that go with the, the recommended manufacturers thinner. So like for Timmy acrylics, you know, use the recommended to me a thinner. It just, it, it's just going to save you headaches. And I do that with anything though. If I'm spraying, it doesn't matter what kind of paint I'm spraying. I want to put, um, whatever the recommended thinner is from the manufacturer. They just seem to work. Cause that's how they're, that's how they're made. They make the paint and whatnot 
um, more compatible with whatever thinner that they're typically producing. Can you use something else? For example, can you use 91% isopropyl alcohol to thin Tamiya? Yeah, but I don't because I just use the X28 because I just have a good supply of it. But in a pinch, you can always use some isopropyl with acrylic. And I don't want to go in super depth into this topic. This is folks coming back to the hobby. I don't want to get off topic, but um, yeah, I think the, like Whitey said, uh, to me, acrylics for airbrushing and Vallejo for brush painting would be and, great to start with. And two, using that manufacturer's recommended thinner too, it's going to set yourself up for success in the beginning instead of, oh, I saw some guys and I know they use lacquer thinner. And then you go and you get your hardware store lacquer thinner goes right oh man i can't believe this paint gummed up and blah blah blah. what are you using for thinner oh i'm using lacquer thinner from lowe's and you know like hey uh yeah why don't you use the th- this why don't you try this instead do that and, uh, and that's what i always do i always just use whatever the manufacturer recommends that way i don't have and then if you do run the issues it kind of helps you in your troubleshooting oh was it the thinner i used well no i use their thinner so that kind of takes that out of the equation and you can go in and you go, oh, maybe I didn't have it thin enough. Let me try thinning it some more. And then, oh, look, yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's, I think, my biggest, um, you know, sort of thought on this this topic when we're talking about paint and guys coming back in is, you know, when we're talking airbrushes, you know, there's lots of different airbrushes. We kind of hit on those. But even more importantly, to get that airbrush to work correctly where you feel like you're making some progress and being able to shoot the paint because i know when i first started using an airbrush i just didn't know how to thin the paint i didn't know how to put so it's not the air i, I blamed it on the airbrush i'm like stupid airbrush is a piece of crap stupid thing don't even work no i didn't know how to thin the paint you know you can't it's you you know it's yeah so understanding how to thin the paint when you put it through the airbrush is just as important as uh, to me, even more important than, than using the airbrush. Cause if you're, if you're trying to put soup, you know, through a, through an airbrush, it's, you're going to have problems. It's, it's just being able to thin. That's what you need to do. Equally important as important is pressure. And then on top oh, yeah. of that practice, practice, yes. you, you're, you're not going to go out there and shoot, like a professional airbrush artist out of the gate. It's not going to happen. I don't care who you are. Practice. Yep. And, and, and and let me touch a little bit on the pressure deal where, where I'm going with that is the thinner the paint, if you're trying to shoot this stuff, especially first time using a double action airbrush and your, your pressure's up there, you're going to, you're going to blow spider webs, man. <laughs> you're just going to blow a puddle uh, with, with, your trigger it's just it's going to happen and that's why it led me over into the practice i I, you know okay so you don't have an old model sitting around that you can practice on go to the toy section and buy just a plastic airplane or car or something that for five bucks that you could go out shoot a little primer on it and practice you know um yeah every having a paint mule that you could just you know a a kit that that you can I, i still do it i still when I'm going to shoot some camo or I'm going to shoot whatever, you know, doesn't matter. I'll always test it on my mule first. Not only yeah. does it get my, my finger with the feel and the flow back, I always am testing stuff on the mule. And, and I also reached out to people that I knew had experience and I asked for help. I was like, Hey, how should I do this? Or how should I do that? 
And that's, you know, that's how I learned that it was a very simple, Hey, you know, make sure you're not thinning your, your show me what you're doing. So I showed the, I showed the guy and he was like, you got to thin your paint, buddy. <laughs> I was like, I'm not thinning it enough. You know, I think I was spraying like 80% paint, maybe like just a little bit of thinner and it'll shoot through the airbrush. It's just that it's going to clog and you have more problems and it's spiders and it's splatters and it's speckles and, you know, just so basic stuff, you know, and, and again, you got, if you're shooting stuff and you're like, man, I can't get this to work. Hey, shoot us an email. I'll put a video together and I'll shoot it to you and I'll show you how, what I do and how I do it. And it's, it's uh, but yeah, thinning the paint in and learning about pressure and all that stuff little advanced but when you're starting off if you want to have an airbrush and you got questions just ask us we're here definitely here to help you i think it's easier too that you know thin it a little more than what you think you need to because i feel that it is yep. easier to thicken it back up again to get it to where you need it instead of starting out thick and then trying to thin it because you're having to blow all that stuff that's still in your airbrush and everything to get that out. And that could just lead to frustration and everything. Like, Oh, why isn't this working? You know? And, and so I would thin it a little more than what you think. And if it's not spraying, right, then just add a couple drops of paint back to it, mix it up and see how that shoots. And then yeah, that, that way you can kind of, it's like on my workbench, I have a notebook that I keep next to my bench and then I'm working on a model. I'll write notes and stuff in there. Even if I mess something up, you know, like, oh, don't do that. And you know, I'll write that down, you know, to, you know, kind of like myself to, hey, dummy, don't do that again kind of a thing. But it's kind of cool, too, to go back and look at it and everything. So if you ever have a problem that comes up again, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I've, I've had this before. And you can kind of go back to help you trying to figure it out and everything. That's a great that's a great deal. I, I wish, you know, I go back and I, I ask you guys a lot of questions because so, let's face it, I'm, I'm back in the hobby now, probably about four or five years uh, no, actually seven or eight years, but I took a long hiatus there. So I do ask a lot of questions. Y'all wish I had, and I wish over the last eight years, I would have been doing that, writing down notes because I do find myself second guessing. Oh man, what did I mix on that? How did I exactly. do that? And that's, a, and, that's that, and that's why I do idea. it. Yeah. Because when I spray a color, then if I, you know, if I go on to another kit or something or something happens, I don't get back to that for a time or two. You know, I can go back and look like what color did I spray that with? And I can go back in that book. And I can look. Oh, I sprayed that XF19 instead of sitting there trying to look at your different bottles of gray or whatever, trying to figure out which one you used. Well, it's also that's what I kind of do it. taking notes on the kits. Like, let, let, let's go back to the A4 nose gear. You know, you, we, we know. Oh, yeah, I'll never that, forget that, that again. That that there's parts in there that aren't listed in the instructions. And, and those are great notes to be able to share, not well only for yourself, but to share with your buddies and other folks out there uh, that might run into it down the road. So I think uh, that notebook idea is just a great idea. Yeah. I, I, I keep a, a little, I keep, ahead, I keep a notebook as well. And I also mark up my instructions. So, you know, I actually do sit down and I study uh, before I start building. I just spend some time reading through the instructions and seeing, well, is this going to maybe give me a problem or is this going to be an area that I might have some issues with or don't forget the nose weight. I always put a big asterisk within red Sharpie nose weight underline so that guess what? Then I don't forget nose weight because it'll happen. You know, yeah, that's another great point and I'm, I'm sorry to hijack your topic here whitey but i mean that's just another great one no there. talk and that is Go read ahead. the read the instructions 
you know, we're, we're guys, right? Well, I don't need no damn instructions. Blah, blah. Oh yeah, man. Read the instructions because, uh, you know, it just using the nose weight is, is an example. Yep. It, it will yeah. tell you the Hasekawa instructions tell you eight grams. I 10, but they say eight gram. Uh, yeah. it, it will. And you'll find something, uh, going back to the Kitty Hawk kit. You really have to be four or five steps ahead to build that. So you do, you need to study the instructions and it. If you're coming back in, um, the key is key. If you will, I like that phrase. The key is key. Look at what it says, um, in the front of the instructions and read the room before you start. Another good little tip that I do is, especially with Hasegawa instructions, they put the paint list on the front of the instructions. Yep. And I'll make a copy of it, or if it's on a spot that I can cut it out, I'll cut that out and post that somewhere so I know not when I'm trying to when I'm build a model and it calls out a color, I'm not having to flip back through the instructions. And if you've got parts cut out there on the instructions, wherever you're not losing anything, you can look up and see. And with the Kitty Hawk kits, they're famous for not having paint call outs yes. in their instructions. They are. And so that's a good time. Like Scott has said, you go through and just go ahead and make those notes in the instructions. You know, I know this has got to be this color. And that way, when it gets to that point, you're not having to search around for what color look on the internet. You've already done that ahead of time. You have it written down right there for you. And it just kind of keeps you moving in the build. So yeah, the, I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, Darren, go ahead. The, the, the paint call outs uh, in in Hoskawa, that reminds me, okay, and Edward does this too in this kit that I'm building, the uh, little scooter here. The instructions are going to call out a certain manufacturer of paint. Tamiya kits are going to call out Tamiya paints. Uh, in this instance, uh, with my uh, scooter, it's calling Probably out Aqueous or it's Mr. Calling Color. Out Aqueous or Mr. Color. So for you folks out there, I, I did say the key is the key. So know what, what manufacturer they're calling out. And there are apps out there. So I've got one here called iModel Kit. And if you see the little paint codes and you don't you, you you don't know what the equivalents are, you might not be shooting Mr. Color. Oh well what the hell am I gonna use if I'm not using Mr. Color? They said use Tamiya. Well, it lists all of the manufacturers in here. So you could go in there and see if it calls out C three oh eight, it's gonna tell you what all of the uh equivalents are for the other brands so top tip get the app or find a place online that's going to give you that cross-reference i was going to say sorry whitey just one thing because i think there we didn't really give a ratio so if a new a new person just bought an airbrush coming back into the hobby wanting to learn um, at a minimum just go with 50 50 you don't have to do the 70 you know, 30 or 80, 20, like I do, um, that takes a little bit more skill with the airbrush, but as long as you're thinning at minimum 50, 50, you're going to, you'll be okay. It'll, it'll run through the airbrush, you know? Um, so I, I think that that's probably, you know, and, and it's like you guys said, right. The patience and practice, those are the two things that one of my models went from me to huh, not too bad is I, I slowed down. I didn't rush stuff. And so that patience, and then of course, just practicing on a mule, it, it made a huge difference. So yeah, 50-50 to start off with. So for all you guys coming back into the hobby after 20 years, you got all that? All right, good. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. But seriously, it's a lot. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Yeah, coming again, coming back into the hobby. Uh, it, it, it'll you know if you listen to podcasts or if you're watching YouTube videos, it probably does seem overwhelming. And you're going, man, when I was 16 years old, this wasn't such a complicated hobby, and it's not a complicated hobby. We're here to have fun, and it comes down to what you want to do and or get out of it, I guess. But patience, that's probably the, that's, that's the last on my list, and, and it's probably one of the, the biggest things in my mind. And Scott mentioned it a second ago with the, with the paint, you know, slowing down. Um, part of the hobby for me is not just having patience, but it builds patience. Um, I think, you know, that, that's a good, how, does, how do I say it? Uh, it's a good uh, byproduct of the hobby, is it uh, allows you to be a patient person. At least it does for me, sort of. <laughs> yeah, no, I, me too. Why do you? It's a, it's a huge. You know, when I've taught folks how to how to paint or given a, a few lessons or whatever, or done some videos, and it's the it's so hard. People want it done, and they want it done like now. Like, I want to I want to yeah. make two spray passes on or, and and I want the model painted now. Now, it just doesn't work. That I mean, you can do that, but you're gonna. It's just you're not gonna get a a nice smooth decent effect so that the the, i always preach the patience part and just kind of slow down take your time there's no law that says you have to build your model in a weekend you know um just just take your time and enjoy it and your um your skills will definitely definitely improve over time and then another thing too to keep in mind would be you know don't be afraid to mess up if you mess something up then oh i know what, what not to do next time i mean what what they ask uh Thomas Edison, you know, he's like, oh, I figured out 2,314 ways not to build a light bulb before he finally got to work. So, you know, just don't, don't be afraid to get there and, you know, try. And if you mess up, oh, well, you know, go get another kit or fix what you did and keep moving forward. That That's a great point. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I kind of picked up on the, uh, the older, cheaper Asagawa kits to start with, you know, the older cheaper monogram kits to start with because you're going to mess up you know there's a lot of experience here uh coming to you through your headphones right now and i can tell you right now that's one thing we all have in common is we all mess up and we're still messing up yep yeah and, uh, yep. and I mean, i'd rather say, mess up on a ten dollar kit than i would a 115 dollar tamia kit or whatever you know then you're like oh crap absolutely what I just do, absolutely kind of thing. so so the next let it thing, rip, man. Get the out next, there and let it rip. The next thing I would say <laughs> is set yourself goals, right? What do you want to do with this kit? Oh, I want to, I want to figure out these new glues, right? You may not yeah. even paint it, you know, here, I got this $5 P47, 72nd scale P47. I'm just going to learn how to use this new Tamiya glue. And, you know, and then to follow up with, with the, the patience thing, uh, I am the most impatient person on the face of the planet. And that is one thing that this hobby has taught me. Uh, I used to try and build things in a day and, uh, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, it, it's taught me to uh, sit back and, you know, and then I get to places like I am with the Hornet where I'm starting to get impatient. Impatience brings errors, right? So I got to set it aside. 
I picked up the little scooter. It's a, uh, you know, a, a cleanse the palate build, I think somebody said. And, and that's exactly what it is. It, it's just been a great mind, uh, mind changer. Is that the word I'm looking for? I like palate cleanser. You know, it's recage the compass. Yep. Recage the compass. Yeah. I think I, just as much as talking about um, when you're getting back into the hobby, the stuff that we do recommend, I think I'll just say there's a few things that I don't recommend because it's just going to make your life more difficult. So, you know, that when we're, cause we're talking about paint and whatnot, like for example, there's certain paints that are just not meant to be put through an airbrush or you've got to use some crazy kind of thinner in order to get the paint to go through the airbrush. You know, keep in mind that to me, a paint it's it, that stuff is going to spray beautifully through an airbrush and it's non-toxic. It's, it's acrylic. So it's not enamel or a lacquer base. It's just an easy paint to blow through the airbrush. And then you've got, of course, you know, the Vallejo acrylic uh, brush paints that are awesome. The thing that I would, I, I would actually not recommend folks that are coming back because they're cheap inexpensive and they're readily available would be that standard kind of Hobby Lobby Michaels craft paint. That stuff's um, very um, rubbery. It's it's water based, so it's it it doesn't it's not going to flow through your airbrush. You can probably spray it through an airbrush, but it's going to gum up, and you're gonna you're just going to have problems. It's very rubbery. It's got a latex kind of property to it. So you know, folks coming back, you're going to try to airbrush even brush painting. I think it's it's it dries really quick and it's it, it's rubbery so it's going to stick to the bristles of the brush again there's so certain folks out there they really like craft paint it's inexpensive readily available and hey more power to you this is just you know my opinion but i would stay away from craft paint i think craft paint is going to it's going to cause more problems than it is solve them so and there's so many other good products out there why even try you know, craft craft paints made for like wooden science projects, not spraying through an airbrush or putting onto a plastic model. That's just, <laughs> that's just me. Another thing too would be good would be to, like we mentioned earlier, join a club. Or if you have a friend who's, who does it and you're wanting to get into it, you know, when time permits or, you know, when you can go over and hang out on a Saturday morning and, you know, Hey, show me what to do because, Full disclosure, I used to spray Model Master like it was my job because that's the only thing I had. And it wasn't until about 2009 when I started hanging out with this guy, Samo, when he told me, one, what paint to use, and two, how to do it. And I learned from him what to do. And before then... I was all over I, my stuff. I, it would never see the light of day because I, w- I was that bad. Like I don't have anything left from my upbringing from like 2009 on. I have nothing left. I just got rid of all of it because at the time I thought it was really cool. And looking at now to what I do, to, I'm like, holy crap, what was I doing? And, you know, and that kind of goes back to that. Don't be afraid to, to try it, you know, and I saw how Scott was painting and, you know, and I was like, man, how do you do that? And he took the time to sit down with me and showed me how to do it. And that's what I've learned today. And that's what I still do. So it always helps too to, to like, you know, know somebody who's been doing it for a while to help take you under their wing 
and bring you along and everything. And they're at the clubs. So yeah, find your club. Yep. And you know, that's for like, I tell you, like it's, I'm happy to do it. Like I, I really enjoy doing that. It's, you know, cause that's what somebody, that's what Mark Schachter did with me is he sat me down and showed me how to mix paint. There were some fundamental things that, cause I thought I was a pretty decent modeler. And then I saw his stuff and I was like, okay, uh, how did you, I just asked the simple question. How did you do that? And he said, well, I'll show you. So he showed me how to do that. So for me, having Mark sit down and show me how to do everything was fantastic. And I'm happy to always sit down. That's why I always love people emailing, asking how to do stuff, how to do stuff, happy to, to show people. And it's not that my way or there's any right or wrong way. I just have a way that seems to work for me. And, you know, um, but you know, it's, it's a, um, there's a definite, definite, um, some, some highly recommended steps that you can take. And I'm, again, I think we've talked about them today, but you know, I'm glad that, cause I have to admit for your stuff is pretty amazing now. I mean, you've won national oh, awards, you know, so you're doing something right, buddy. And you know, it's, I'm always happy to, to at least give my you know, two cents, you know? And it's funny what you pick up from other people because like my cockpits, I was always jealous of Whitey's cockpits because I think he does some of the best cockpits. And I used to look at his stuff and be like, what the hell? What am I doing wrong? You know? And so I was always asking him, hey, man, how the hell do you do this and everything? And and so that's what I'm trying to get at is, you know, so I've, I've taken, I've learned stuff from Scott. I've learned stuff from Whitey and other people. And I just kind of, you know, I've used that as my tools in my toolbox. And I use that to motivate me. And I wasn't afraid to mess up. If I messed it up, I stripped it down and I started over again. And, yep. and I attribute those two guys to a lot of where I am today. So I'm not, and I'm, and I'm no like big deal or anything, but I'm light years ahead of where, where I was say 10, 15 years ago to where I am now. So yeah. thank you guys. No, I, I agree. I've learned uh, stuff from, well, all three of you guys I, I've said over at Scott's uh, matter of fact, I still got your mule sitting here, <laughs> but I've said over at Scott's and we've gone over camo and, and that kit won. It's won an award, you know, so, yep. um, yep. And, and I'm constantly asking questions and, 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 you know, if you're coming back into it, you absolutely have to do that. Uh, you're going to learn, are you going to learn from trial and error? Yeah, but you're going to learn a lot faster by asking questions and having some tutelage. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we go back, Scott has said a couple of times, he said a while ago, make a video and put it out there. Uh, I, I want to give so, a plug real quick. You also mentioned that Spitfire build and what, a, what, a your March Madness deal. And I want to go out here and say, Will Passon has a complete series on that kit for the beginner, starting from the beginning and going all the way through. So I, I encourage you to go over and take a look at his video. Um, where, where could you find that? Where could uh, a new I'll, guy? I'll, I'll put a link that. in the show notes. Uh, you can you can check it out. I'll put a link on the uh, Facebook page as well. Okay. But Will's got an Good. entire. Now, Will is an advanced builder. And he's great at his craft. So take that for, for what it is. You're, you're probably not going to produce Will Passon, uh, uh, product at the end, but he's going to show you and he does show you in there the glues, the paints, the brush painting techniques. He goes through the whole wicket. And then also we have the grumpy old scale modeler YouTube channel 
and we can put videos up there all day long. So to what Scott was saying, if you have something you want us to show you how to do, we can get together, we can make that video happen, and we can post it for you guys. So email I'm us. I'm going to nominate Scott to do a paint thinning video. We we can make yeah, that happen. Easy day. Yeah, you know. let's make that happen. That's that's easy because that was, again, it's just such a huge it's it's a fundamental thing that I didn't I didn't know. Somebody had to show me and I was like, that's it. That's all you have to do. And that's how okay, cool. But if I don't have you know, not having somebody show me how to do that, it was I, I was very frustrated when I was first learning how to use an airbrush just because I didn't know some of the fundamental things that make life so much easier. So I highly encourage folks to to reach out to others that may know how to do it, or like I said, We'll, we'll definitely let's miss make let's make that a priority, guys. Let's let's we'll get a video up so I can yep. show folks just how to how how to thin. Yep. yep. Yeah. Cool. And along, along with that, I'll you know this little list I tossed together. It's really you know it's basic. I'll toss that on the page just to for, for if you if you're out there listening you and you've lost track of where we're at. Um, you know a simple checklist of uh your basic hobby tools. Uh. I'll toss that on the page as well. Any anything else? I just so. I'll, I'll say one. I'll I'll say one thing just real quick. Sorry, Whitey. Um, I, <laughs> it always makes me smile when like Frill and folks come up to me and they ask me for help. That that always I'm so happy to do that. It 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 always makes me feel good that if I can have a little something that I can pass on to others, whether we're it doesn't matter what. Um, and it, and it really makes me smile. Like for example, you know, and I, and again, I, I love going to model shows. I'm not into the whole competition thing. It's nice to win an award, but you know, there was our first, one of the nationals that we went to, I think it was in 2014 maybe, or maybe it was 20, maybe it was in whatever it was. It was a show that we all went to might've been Columbia and Frill got second and i got third so frill 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 beat me in a finish and and i was so excited it was the ki-84 I, that's right that's right and so i'm a big yeah he's he's showing me what's up so yeah that was but that was just that meant more to me than and to see like the smile on his face and how excited he was not only when not he finished you, the model you told me in the parking lot shh, why, <laughs> shh, 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 hold on man hold on did not supposed to say that, man. Anyway, so for real, buddy. No, nah, man. It was. I was so excited to see your face and how and how happy you were. And when now, when you're produ- when when you're producing stuff, see how excited you are, and to see you progress. Yeah. And now you're showing me a thing or two, and you're teaching me stuff, dude. You don't. I just you have to ride home from Columbia with them and listen to it the eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> you took home more than I did, Whitey. So what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, Whitey, man, you took home way more than all of us. That was that was a good time, though. Hopefully, we'll remember be able you to wanted to flood the categories. Uh, I did. You did spread, spread it around. <laughs> spread it around. <laughs> but no, to, well, to go back to Scott's you know, thing. Yes. Go ahead. You know, a a club is good because when I, like I said, when I first started out back in, you know, when I got into this in 1999, really, you know, IPMS First Coast down in Jacksonville, you know, those guys were great. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know my ass from my armpit. And those guys, you know, you need one of these, you know, and they kind of 
steered me in the direction that I needed and everything. And and you make some good friendships. I'm still real good friends with those guys down there. You know, like Gil Hodges is a good is a real good buddy of mine. So, you know, it's, don't be afraid to reach out. That's all. And find a club. Well, again, to those guys coming back into the hobby, welcome back. And uh, and thank you to all you model geeks out there for downloading and listening in and uh, making us part of your valuable bench time. Um, and I also want to thank the uh, those of you out there tuned into our Facebook Live sets that we've done. They're kind of impromptu, and I know we don't typically announce them ahead of time. Uh, maybe we'll do that in the future, depending on um, the level of, of interest. I, I know we have a good time doing them. Uh, a lot of time, they're very spare to the moment. They, they are Darren, a lot of fun. Send, yeah. Darren will send us a text saying, hey, what are you doing? Let's get on Facebook Live. Usually, we might be a couple of drinks in on a Friday or Saturday night, and it's like, oh, man, do we want to? But but we do. And, and I think, you know, like I said, it generates good discussion. Um, uh, you know, the Blue Angel paint thing was, was one something that was. come out of that, for, for example. Um, so let us know how you feel about those things, and uh, we'll probably do more of that in the future. Um, otherwise, this was a great episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sitting here and discussing the hobby. Um, do us a favor, too. Um, for whatever you download us on, if you leave a five-star rating, it helps with the uh, search functions that help other modelers out there to um, find such content on the Internet, uh, uh, not, not only from, from us or you know, the other uh, like-minded podcasts that are out there. Um, I hope you can join us for our next podcast. Um, for now, be excellent to each other and get out there and build something. Out from the geeks. Take care, everyone. See you. Later. Later on. <laughs>